You're listening to the Bitcoin Takeover Podcast, the Bitcoin podcast for OGs and intermediaries. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, and like this episode. Also, read the new BTCT KVR magazine. This episode is sponsored by Wasabi Wallet, Crypto Steel, Shop in a Bit, and Sadodime. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening. Welcome to the Bitcoin Takeover Podcast. I am Vlad and today I'm joined by the two co-founders of a project that's called Firefish. To my right, in this order, you have, first of all, Martin and Igor. Their last names don't matter, that's what we established. And they are working on something which is essentially BlockFi without the company. It's very interesting. You can basically take a loan against the Bitcoin that you already have, so you don't have to sell. And as far as I understand, you get money in your bank account and you don't pay tax on that. How does that work? So please go ahead. Thanks a lot, Vlad. So, and uh, welcome to Prague. Uh, thank you for having us uh, on your podcast. So, you know, in simple terms, uh, as, as you rightly said, Firefish is a, a Bitcoin back lending platform, right? And uh, what we are trying to bring, you know, I would say it's a new use case for, for Bitcoin, right? I mean, people are usually looking at Bitcoin as a, a store of value or a, a payment system, uh, obviously, because it has very, very good attributes. Uh, but what we, we're looking at Bitcoin slightly different or bringing the new uh, sort of use case into, into the game. And that's really, as you said, using Bitcoin as an asset, as a collateral that you can use, you know, as, a, as, as almost like your basically family family or private bank, right? Uh, if you have any needs uh, to, to fund your life situations or anything similar, you use your Bitcoin as the asset, get the, get the loan and uh, basically get uh, uh, funding for whatever needs you have. So, and you are using uh, Bitcoin as a, as a super collateral. So we can go into obviously details in terms of how it works, but basically that's the principle or the nature how we're looking at uh, Firefish and Bitcoin. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. Maybe I'll uh, use some other words for saying the same, maybe. Maybe just imagine as a Bitcoiner that uh, you are in a situation that uh, you need uh, funds for whatever is making your life better, like you want to fund your education or your uh, healthcare costs or maybe some investment or whatnot. And then you might be fi facing some dilemma, like do I sell my Bitcoin, my precious asset, or should I maybe take, uh, take out a peer-to-peer -peer loan uh, in fiat? I think it can be savvy. Uh, just maybe to clarify one thing, like we are not advocating fiat in any sense, uh, actually quite the contrary. Uh, we are advocating maybe it makes sense for a lot of people to, 
to create a liability in fiat, to be effectively short fiat. And this is what we are doing. It's also interesting because you can basically take fiat, but you're not selling your Bitcoin and you're not going to have to pay capital gain tax or whatever. But to whom are you going to pay that loan? And who gives you back your Bitcoin? How does this work? I would start maybe with with the fact that, or there's a couple of couple of elements that are important when we when we speak about Firefish. The first thing is, and uh, you you mentioned the name uh, BlockFi, I believe. Uh, we are a non-custodial platform in the first place, right? So really, your Bitcoin is not uh, sent to to Firefish. It's not sent to any custodian. Uh, it's locked in a in a very specific uh, what you could call a smart contract on layer one on Bitcoin directly. Uh, so that's one thing. And the other point is that uh, you will get a fiat fiat cash loan against your Bitcoin, right? And uh, again, it's very important to uh, understand that Firefish is not the provider uh, of the loan, is not provider of uh, of of the cash basically that you receive. We are a, a marketplace, in other words. It's a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace where on both sides you have the borrowers and you have what we call investors, right? So people with free cash, they can invest in uh, Bitcoin-backed loans. You as a borrower would actually receive uh, the cash from a particular person or an institution, uh, in other words, right? So um, the, the, the transaction basically happens between uh, two people or uh, two entities. It can be institution, it can be a a uh, person uh, and the fiat transaction right now at this point in time would be settled through a standard bank bank transfer but we're also working on some other additional additional channels that will allow you to to basically do the transaction the fiat transactions between those uh, these two people so that's that's the core uh it's a marketplace and you have a peer-to-peer -peer relationship with a particular counterparty so that's really interesting because let's say that i have a lot of fiat money and maybe I want to buy Bitcoin on the cheap. Maybe I say I'm going to basically give you this loan at 10% lower than the market price. And I'm taking a chance. I'm hoping that he's not going to pay back the loan so I get to keep the Bitcoin. And I think that's the speculative part of basically buying Bitcoin on the cheap. Do you want to say anything about it? I, I, I would say, I would say, look, uh, from our own experience, and you know, one one thing we we haven't mentioned, we call Firefish the Bitcoin back everything platform, right? Because it's uh, you know we are trying to expand the use cases for for Bitcoin or for holding Bitcoin as an asset, uh, and obviously speculation might be one of them, right? Uh, but if we look at uh, you know the track record since since we launched the platform, um, there are interesting use cases actually uh, that there are people that people are using um, Firefish for, uh, be you know your standard yes I want to buy more Bitcoin use cases right you just take a loan get more leverage you know buy more Bitcoin uh, there you go that are then there are other use cases such as buying a house buying a car uh, you know investing in, in in business as well right we did have a, a couple of couple of cases where people were uh, trying to invest money into uh, startups uh, they had most of their assets or a important portion of their assets in Bitcoin and they never wanted to sell Bitcoin right because they they knew that uh, 
or they believe that in the future Bitcoin would appreciate. So the, the speculative part, as you mentioned, uh, might not necessarily be the, the first, first use case that people think about. And secondly, as it's an open market space, right, uh, or marketplace, uh, people people can see where the interest rates are. Uh, it is it is pretty competitive. If someone goes there, goes to the market and, and you know, says like, hey, I'm going to give you money for, for 2%, uh, hoping that you're not going to repay the loan back. Well, good luck. What if what if I repay, right? I mean, it's. Uh, I think the important element to consider there is that normally the we're operating with the with loan to value ratio. So you're 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 taking a particular amount of loan, and the value of your collateral should be in a particular amount. Normally, we would be talking about fifty percent, right? So if I want to have or want to get hundred thousand dollars, I would need to deposit or lock uh, two hundred thousand worth of uh, Bitcoin, right? So in that case, I would think twice whether I want to get liquidated or not pay my 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 loan back or not so uh, I'm sure in the future there might be might be these kind of edge use cases but for the time being really most of our users have been really appreciating appreciating the fact that they can either get more leverage they can you know invest in in businesses get uh, uh, funding for for other opportunities they have so that's that's most of the use cases we've been seeing so far from a technical point of view, how does this work? You told me that there's a multi-sig involved. I've also had Martin Habovstiak, Habovstiak, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He told me that he was the main coder of the project. And he explained to me something about a multi-sig, but I'm not sure if I remember correctly, and maybe that the listeners don't remember either. Can you tell me more details about what's in the background of this system? Of course, maybe I'll start with a short version uh, for less technical users. Uh, what we actually achieved with the, with the construction on Bitcoin main chain is that basically output of the escrow is, uh, is restricted. It can be only spent in a two specific directions. It can be only spent back to borrower, especially when they repay the loan, or it is spent to the liquidator. That's an entity that is there to to settle the loan if it was not settled by the borrower. Technically, it could be lender himself. There are two ways of implementation. This is it in a nutshell. How do we achieve it? We just lock Bitcoin in three of three multisig, and maybe I'll start uh, start over. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll start with defining the roles in in the contract. So obviously you have a borrower and lender in the in the contract. Then I mentioned the, this third role of of liquidator, and then we actually implemented two general roles: payment oracle and price oracle. There's, there's, there are actually just two p two kind of data that you need to uh, to resolve the the contract or to know if we look at it as a smart contract. There are some states that the contract can be in be it repayment or default or liquidation. And there are two kinds of data that you need to know to resolve the, the contract. And th they are either payment data, pay for data from the banking system, if the loan was repaid or not, or the price data, data that are testing to the price of the Bitcoin at any given time. So basically what we are doing, we are locking Bitcoin in a three of three multisig when one of the key uh, is held by payment oracle, another by the price oracle, and third one by the borrower himself. And actually what we do, we create a set of 
pre-signed Bitcoin transactions that represent each, each of the states, be it like transaction that is going to be broadcasted when the loan is repaid, transaction that is broadcasted when the loan has defaulted, transaction that is going to be broadcasted when the loan is going to be liquidated. And uh, the last one is zombie apocalypse uh, transaction that is actually valid from the from the day one. It just has a time log on it, so you can broadcast it. It's basically if the oracles uh, don't do any action whatsoever, if there is a zombie apocalypse or something of this kind, you can be sure that you can still like recover your Bitcoin from the escrow. So I don't know if it was not too much of the information. That was actually good because I was going to ask you about, you know, the Bitcoin network does not know what's happening outside of it. You have that multi-seed contract that is on chain, but Bitcoin doesn't know if the payment takes place. So how do the oracles work and who are they? Can they be banks or are they people? Like the way how the system is designed, those are like general roles. And at this very moment, both oracles are implemented on our side. It's like our implementation of both price and payment oracle. Uh, as uh, we are holding those keys, but what we can do with the keys is we can sign one of these transactions. We can basically send Bitcoin back to borrower or to the liquidator, nothing else. So this is like a security proposition. Over time, it would be definitely better if we, for example, implement DLC kind of scheme for the for the price oracle. Wasabi Wallet is unfairly private. It's the most advanced and most used Bitcoin privacy wallet with half a million downloads across Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, as well as thousands of fresh new Bitcoins getting mixed every month. Wasabi makes use of the new generation Wabi Sabi engine to create mega coin joins, thus mixing your Bitcoins with those of hundreds of other users. For amounts lower than 0.01 BTC and remixes, you pay no coordinate fee. Even if you don't use CoinJoins, Wasabi Wallet has a native Tor integration and downloads block filters to help you keep your network level and public key privacy. Download Wasabi Wallet for free today at wasabiwallet.io and experience the future of Bitcoin privacy. So obviously we could improve the scheme by implementing uh, DLCs, for example, as a, as a way to improve uh, payment oracles or some other cool cryptography on the, on the uh, uh, payment oracle site as well. But like still uh, in, in our thoughts, but there are ways how to improve it. Before we started the interview and we were still talking in the hallway, you told me something about basically replicating covenants with the code that you have and the fact that covenants would make it a bit more efficient. Okay, so how, how, how we see um, uh, our tech is basically a little bit of a workaround that allows like similar functionality that covenants would allow. Basically, what we are doing, we are uh, restricting the output of uh, our escrow contract in a way that it can be spent in a uh, in a specific conditions to the specific address. Uh, this is what covenants in general should uh, uh, should allow on the level of the Bitcoin script, as far as I know. So this is how I mean it. 
So who is this for, really? Do you have a target audience in mind? I think that some Bitcoiners are going to watch this and be like, no, that's supporting the fiat system. We never want to sell. We never want to borrow. We don't want to do anything. But I guess there's a target audience of people who are going to make this project more or less successful. And when you think about people using it, who, who are they really? When we think about borrowers, those are definitely Bitcoiners, like us, like we are. I'm, I'm just going to repeat it, like we are not advocating uh, the fiat system whatsoever. Uh, we are just saying that maybe if you have a liability in fiat and you are short the fiat, you are basically benefiting from the erosion of purchasing power of fiat currency. I think it might be a wise decision to do for many of us. So I think those, like uh, the users are mainly Bitcoiners on the borrower side, institutions who are holding Bitcoin uh, on their balance sheet, whoever that might be. And actually, uh, our contract is built in a way that the lender, the investor, like the second side of the transaction, doesn't need to hold any cryptographic material, such as uh, private keys. So actually, that would allow the uh, entities from the traditional finance to interact and fund Bitcoin back loans without touching Bitcoin whatsoever might be a value for uh, some of the traditional finance institutions. So we see uh, like very different uh, use cases and very different uh, possible uh, users. The one thing I would add there uh, maybe is as well, um, not, not always or not everybody, not all Bitcoiners might appreciate the fact that they're they're sitting on an asset that has more value than just the capital appreciation, right? So obviously we all want it to go to the moon, um, if I'm even allowed to say this, but uh, <laughs> but I guess I guess the, the key principle here is that, you know, if you have an asset that that not only appreciates uh, over time but you can actually sort of extract the monetary value and use it in in your real life as i mentioned investments in uh, uh what have you uh that's that's a slightly different mindset right of course we we understand that no one wants to sell their bitcoins no one wants to lose their bitcoins uh but make it work right just like uh, you know the richest people do. They they sit on assets and they take loans against their assets, right? So because their assets are appreciating over time more, and the inflation is eating more of the of the purchasing power of the fiat currency than the interest they would be paying on on those loans, right? So you would be almost like in a perpetuity uh, borrowing against your asset while still keeping uh, keeping the asset, right? So it's just using your Bitcoin in a smart way, using it as a real asset uh, that can can uh, as as we mentioned at the beginning can act as your private bank right I, I have some funding needs today I want to send my kids to the school or I want to buy more Bitcoin well you know where, where can I get get the cash use your Bitcoin as the collateral as the asset get the money uh, paid back with the interest which usually is lower than than the inflation rate or uh, obviously the capital appreciation so that's that's I think a slightly different shift uh, or a shift in the mindset for for the borrowers by holding the keys, do you think that Firefish has legal liability and people are going to sue you if something goes wrong? Do you think about this a lot? 
Well, I, I would just start with the fact that our first employee in the company was a lawyer. Uh, so we, we uh, you know, both Martin and, and myself, we were coming from uh, actually traditional finance, right? So uh, please don't hate us for that. But uh, I think we have a maybe slightly different way of looking at uh, looking at these things. And uh, obviously, naturally, when you're once you're touching the the fiat payment system and the fiat world, you really need to be compliant, right? It's very difficult to hide uh, uh, these kind of transactions and operations in general. So we are taking this very seriously, of course. And uh, uh, let's say if you, if you even look at the contract, right? So what's happening actually behind the curtains when you're when you're on the platform and you're matched with a borrower, or you know you're the lender, so you're matched with a borrower, uh, you are actually signing a, a bilateral agreement, bilateral loan agreement, right? So and that loan agreement. Uh, you know, we've spent months and months kind of building it with our legal team really to make sure that uh, all the all the potential edge cases are captured there. And, uh, you know, we really took our time to make make sure that uh, from the legal perspective, everything is kosher and that, you know, uh, if, if some sort of edge case happens, uh, you know, everybody would be on the same the safe side, actually. But you mentioned that you have this agreement that was made with lawyers and is made to cover all the edge cases. Does this mean that Firefish can be banned in certain jurisdictions? That's a that's a tough one. Uh, if we can be banned, I mean, if if you look at it from the perspective of what what's happening actually, so so Firefish is a platform. It's it's a software provider in a way, right? We are not touching fiat. We're not touching even Bitcoin, right? We are only helping you with our code to lock your Bitcoin uh, on 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 the network. Uh, we're also, as I mentioned, we're not providers of the fiat loans, right? So consumer credit and this kind of uh, this kind of regulations are are not affecting us, right? So. Uh, God knows I'm not, you know, uh, familiar about uh, or familiar with all the all the uh, jurisdictions and and the nitty gritty details. But from the perspective of or from the nature of the business, we are literally just uh, helping with our software uh, two parties to to sign a bilateral uh, loan agreement and facilitate, uh, you know, the the activity of the oracles uh, who are basically just uh, saying that yes, uh, transaction happened or not, and uh, you know where where's the price of the of the bitcoin. Right, so uh, I, I'm not saying no that you know they they wouldn't ban us anywhere, but uh, from the legal standpoint, uh, at least in European Union, which is our our initial initial focus, uh, we 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 have even a legal opinion that uh, really our 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 setup is is clear and uh, is is fully fully legal or fully compliant. But still, like back to a question, like uh, somebody can try to uh, to to ban us, but uh, honestly, like good luck with that. I mean, we are a website that matches like two people to interact with each other and we are providing them to you uh, our software they can use because what happens on the background is that once you look to the platform and you are just operating our Bitcoin library on your site in within your browser and you are creating this escrow yourself and you are locking the Bitcoin yourself like we are just assisting you with providing the, the software and that's it so if somebody uh, wants to ban us that we are providing like soon to be open source software to you for your own use, good luck with that. I don't think it's going to be banned wherever. Uh, wherever. 
CryptoSeal is the original Bitcoin cold storage backup, and it's been innovating self-custody since 2013. Designed and manufactured in Europe from the finest and most resistant stainless steel, the CryptoSeal cassette and the CryptoSeal capsule are industry standards. These cold storage devices are made to resist house fires, extreme floods, and physical shocks. You can also use CryptoSeal to store your important passwords, BIP39 passphrase, or Noster private key. Buy your crypto steel today from cryptosteel.com and use promo code BTCTKVR to get a 10% discount. Crypto steel. Secure your Bitcoin like an OG. From your description, it makes me think about platforms like Huddle Huddle, which do something similar. They have they're the providers of the service. They allow people to interact with each other to buy and sell Bitcoin. There's that multi-sig contract and they can do some, I'm not sure what they call it, like they can be the judge of the situation. If there is a conflict, they can, I think it's dispute resolution. Mm -hmm. That's the correct term for it. So does Firefish have any of these dispute resolution roles and how can they play out? You send the money back to the loaner or to the borrower in the, the event that something goes wrong? So uh, I guess this this is a question uh, particularly relevant to the fiat transactions, right? So what can happen? So let's say you and me, you're the borrower, I'm the lender, and I'm supposed to send you money, right? So I, I send you money, or at least on the platform I say or claim that I have sent you the money, right? And then you know two days later you say, well, I still haven't received anything. In in fiat world, uh, you know. If, if it's a bank to bank or within a bank transaction, you know, no issues should be should be happening. But we know, uh, uh, especially if you're doing uh, offshore transactions or you're using Swift, if you're using, uh, of, for example, there's a, there's a mistake in the code, you know, what can happen, what we call Swift limbo, where, you know, a party sends the money and they do indeed send the money and it gets stuck somewhere because there's a wrong Swift code or something similar. Uh, then we need to find, find a way like, okay, so what actually happened? You know, uh, we need to find the proof that actually the money is uh, sitting somewhere in in in, uh, in in the pipes. It hasn't landed on on uh, um, the borrower's account because the worst case uh, that could happen, or actually it can't happen with our with our procedures. But imagine that you are the borrower, uh, um, you would you would receive you would have both Bitcoin and money, right? So you, basically, um, that's that's the worst case scenario. But again, as I mentioned, it, it it can't really happen. So we've built a a resolution procedure, particularly looking at the fiat transactions when really there's a dispute between the parties that are, I've sent you the money but I haven't received the money uh, in that case we have a particular number a number of steps that are actually helping both parties to 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 find out okay what's the what's the final final state we actually did have a couple of cases like this and it was literally due to the fact that they that the bank code was wrong or the swift code was wrong or, or something similar uh, but we managed to resolve those really using using the resolution procedure so it is a part of the contract and uh, yeah, we're worst case scenario. You can always obviously resort to the legal system, right? Uh, but uh, we we do believe this should shouldn't happen very often. And secondly, uh, as as we mentioned, uh, the fiat transactions at this point in time, when they're settled uh, through direct bank transfers are sort of easy to use, but they're not the most convenient way of doing it. So we are also looking into other other channels that would make the overall user experience uh, much better and then definitely would avoid this kind of need for resolution uh, procedures. 
I don't want to dox your offices, but very nearby, there is this shop which accepts Bitcoin payments. And I was thinking that there, there are different approaches to making Bitcoin more adopted. There is merchant adoption, which directly accepts Bitcoin, but probably uses some payments processor to exchange that Bitcoin for fiat. And then there is this other approach, which allows people to take fiat money against their Bitcoin. This way, they're going to get their Bitcoin back if they pay back the loan. But do you think that you are increasing adoption and more people are going to be using Bitcoin for payments as a consequence of this? Because I, I see that it's also pretty scalable, meaning that you use the fiat system for the cash and there's only one multi-sig on the chain. Do, do you ever think about this, about adoption and how this affects it? Like, first of all, I I think like that Already now, people use Bitcoin in many in many different ways. Like some use uh, it for payment system properties. For somebody else, it's valuable more as a store of value system or whatnot. I'm not here to judge. Like I love Bitcoin being a place of experimentation, and we are just trying to pr uh, maybe provide or uh, accent a slightly different use case for Bitcoin. If it is appealing for Bitcoiners to use, we will be happy to serve them. Uh, but uh, back to your question, I don't know. I don't know whether it's, uh, well, never thought about it, to be honest, so much. I, I would maybe add on this, um, the fact uh, what Martin mentioned, that the contract allows non-Bitcoin non native entities to become lenders. Uh, I think this is actually helping uh, to, to change the perspective of those, let's say, TradFi uh, people or providers of liquidity, right? Because uh, we do have a couple of couple of people around us who do not own Bitcoin, never touched anything crypto uh, in general, but they are providing liquidity, fair liquidity into these loans because they understood how Bitcoin works. Uh, they understood that it's a, it's, it works or acts as a collateral. So they understood all these concepts behind and suddenly it completely changed their, their perception of uh, what Bitcoin is, right? So it's, uh, you know, and we know that w all of us are sort of living in a in a Bitcoin bubble. Uh, we speak to Bitcoiners left and right, so sometimes it's difficult to differentiate, you know, who's who. Um, but uh, from our experience, after this last couple of months of, of uh, you know, having platform out there, uh, is that really the perception of some really people who are acting as providers of liquidity has really significantly changed and they are accepting uh, Bitcoin and I'm I, I'm sure that they're learning more about it and all that. So in terms of overall adoption, maybe that's that's gonna be the next step for them to actually let me try it from the other side. Let me let me buy some Bitcoin, let me try how it works and all that. So I think this could be an interesting way of looking at it as well. Yeah. Uh, imagine being an institution or family office, don't have any Bitcoin ex exposure whatsoever. Uh, you can still, using Firefish, uh, uh, interact with the Bitcoin in a way that you don't, you, you don't own it, you don't hold any cryptographic material, and Bitcoin is still useful for you. It's uh, securing your transaction with a random per person on another site. So even without holding Bitcoin, it's useful for you already. So maybe that can be the first step for you to maybe think about Bitcoin. I think I first found out about Firefish in May this year during Pizza Day. That's when I became aware of it. You also sponsored the event, you gave t-shirts. And then at BTC Prague, you were also prominent there. You had a very large booth and it was pretty nice. So 
obviously you did a lot of advertisement, but is the service available today? Can people use it? And if they can, how can they start with it? These have been actually the only two occasions that <laughs> we've been visible public. So <laughs> maybe uh, it seems different than it is. So we haven't been speaking too much about it because the Firefish had been uh, there in a in a closed beta and it's still in a closed beta. It was uh, it was mostly for our friends and and family and uh, close bubble of uh, Central European Bitcoiners. Uh, this is the stage now. Like we are getting more and more open. You, I invite all Bitcoiners out there to sign up for our beta. We are inviting mostly European Bitcoiners now to to try the platform, though there are still some limitations. I mean, we are we are limiting the the, the size of the transaction to two thousand euros, I guess, at mm -hmm. this moment. But we will be relaxing those terms over time, and we plan to to launch more open platform towards end of the year. That's it, right? You said that there's a website which acts as the platform. What is it? Is it firefish.com.io? What's the domain? It's IO, yes, firefish.io. Okay, so we covered this, that basically the service is available, but is the code auditable? Is everything about Firefish open source? And why does this matter for the users? It really matters, and uh, we actually our goal is to have the, the the code open source. The design of the protocol is open source now, although implementation code is not uh, open source at this very moment because it's changing all the time. We have audited one version of the of the code by a specialized like security firm, uh, but we want to open the code. Uh, once we are kind of settled, we use the, the same. There is a high chance we will not change the code so much in the future. So this is our approach. Like uh, it's very important. So the code is open source because it uh, is part of our security proposition. There are many other things we are trying to improve on the on the security side still. Uh, so yes, this is our stage now. Uh, it's also important for the user to make sure that the code does what it says it does. And that's, you know, the the best protection for someone who's going to put money in that multi-sig. But the, the multi-sig itself is not too complicated. I guess what you did not open source is what's on the website and what happens there. And after all, there's a legal contract that you have to sign anyway. So. It's not super cypherpunk. It, you cannot do this anonymously, or can you? Uh, well, <laughs> now actually uh, you can to some extent because we are not doing any KYC. Oh, that's uh, why you have to euros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like now we are basically providing you the the software. We we don't charge any fees for that. So there is a software at your disposal. Do whatever you want with that, and settle your contract with your counterparty according to the contract you signed. It's not up to us too much. But over time, actually, it's uh, it's, it's going to be a commercial product. So so we will most probably need to do KYC for the, for, the, for, the, for the users. Although we are trying to figure out the ways how to make the burden as little as possible. 
The the other thing, I mean, regarding KYC uh, and and being completely anonymous. I mean, once you once you touch the banking system, you're not anonymous anymore. First and foremost, you do the KYC through the bank, and secondly, uh, usually when when you even receive a transaction, you see the name of the person or the entity that you receive the transactions the transaction from. So in a in a traditional bank to bank wire system, uh, you can't can't remain anonymous. Uh, but as Martin mentioned, yeah, we're 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 trying to find a way which is going to be le- the least painful uh, and and the most kind of you know user friendly uh, with the best customer experience. So that's that's the main aim. But as as we mentioned. As we're touching fiat, uh, unfortunately, that's something we'll have to we'll have to deal with. Remember the paper wallet? Ah, uh, yes, the good old days when you printed your Bitcoin private key on an offline computer. It was so fun, but not really easy and totally not secure. Today we have Sadodime, a chip card that acts just like your good old paper wallet, but with all the modern security features and top-notch functionality. It turns your Bitcoin into a bearer asset, which you can easily trade in person. Thanks to NFC, you can use the Sadodime card with your smartphone. Creating a new pair of Bitcoin keys takes just two swipes. Check your balance in real time, create multiple key pairs. Whenever you want, you can reveal your Bitcoin wallet's private key with just a single click. The simple uncluttered interface lets you quickly see if a key pair has been unsealed. Finally, the cold storage you've been looking for. Available now on sadodime.io. Unpopular opinion, and someone's gonna cancel me on Twitter for saying this. Would you not have fewer legal requirements if you integrated stable coins of sorts? So everything happens on a computer network and not on the banking system? So yeah, disclaimer, I, I hope uh, they're not gonna cancel us uh, on, <laughs> on Twitter as well. But yeah, Martin, uh, what, what's our take on this? Indeed, you would. Although like our proposition, like uh, the way how we, we are thinking about our platform and the contract is we are trying to reduce as much risk from the interaction as possible. And in our point of view, like stable coins are bringing some layer of risk that is hard to comprehend. And it's, uh, for example, you are an institution that wants to uh, invest your money. I don't think many of these institutions have a mandate to buy stable coins and operate this kind of risk what they cannot assess. So our goal was to make the interaction as risk-free as possible. That's why we took the harder part and that's why we implemented fiat and banking system and whatnot. It's not easy, it's pain in the ass. Like, <laughs> uh, to be honest, like um, the, the Bitcoin part is fun, but the banking part, it really is pain in the ass. Anyhow, uh, the uh, implementing stable coins would allow you to maybe go through less of the overhead uh, uh, in regards to KYC and implementations and this kind of stuff. So, and maybe a little bit more privacy for the parties involved. So it might, like we we might consider to implement uh, stablecoins at some point as an option of, I see it as a trade-off. Maybe you you prioritize uh, convenience of banking money or a little bit more privacy and a little bit more risk with a, with a, with the stable coins and choice is yours. 
I think I should have started the interview with this, but you have this very nice logo with a fire and a fish and a heart and the Bitcoin logo. But why is it firefish? What does it mean? Is there any deeper meaning behind this? Guess who's fire, guess who's fish. <laughs> oh, really, Martin, I think it's yours, right? So. Well, it's just random two words. Like I, I would like to make the. Uh, it would be nice to bring some method, um, <laughs> some myths and memes and and, uh, and whatnot. But uh, honestly, there is nothing behind. I just thought it's two cool words. But, but can we cut it maybe or something <laughs> from the interview? You don't want this to be. In I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just joking. Okay, be because I was thinking you could call it Bitcoin loans or whatever. Borrow Bitcoin, borrow against Bitcoin, BAB or whatever. But you went for Firefish and it's random. Like, what does Firefish mean? It seems like it doesn't have a deeper meaning, but it's catchy. Firefish. Like, are you going to fire your fish or are you going to fry your fish? I don't know. There's only one way to find out. You go to firefish.io. It was really nice interviewing you. I'm not sure if I have any more questions, but if you have anything else to say before we wrap this up, this is your chance. Yeah, maybe I would just highlight, just fellas, feel free to sign up for our beta and help us uh, fireproof the platform. We are still building it. We are thinking we are kind of building a missing piece of Bitcoin infrastructure, you know, in a sense of the financial infrastructure We're on Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin native. I, I I think we build it in a Bitcoin native way, and so just or maybe check us uh, check check us on uh, on Discord as well. What else? What other channels? <laughs> yeah, no, of course we're we're we do have a Discord channel. So join us there if you have any questions. Uh, we have a twenty four seven dedicated support team <laughs> um, that is happy to answer your questions. And uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to really launching the platform. You know, in in many more countries than Czech Republic or Central Europe, because you know naturally. Uh, the ambitious, ambition is global. Uh, there are use cases from around the world. So we're looking forward to see many more users on the platform soon. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for accepting to do this. And I very much like your energy and your spirit and the mission overall to bring more Bitcoin adoption and make it easier for people to use their Bitcoin in the fiat economy. So I look forward to seeing more and hearing more about your service. And thank you very much. They were Martin and Igor. Remember their names. <laughs> thank you, Vlad. Shop and Bit is the online store where you can buy anything with your Bitcoin. Choose between more than 800,000 products, book flights and hotels, and order everything else through the concierge service. With Shop and Bit, you can buy your weekly groceries, get the latest iPhone, upgrade your computer, buy something sexy for your new girlfriend, book a trip to El Salvador through the travel hacking service, and also grab a copy of the latest Bitcoin takeover magazine to read in the airplane. Everything is integrated with a familiar shopping experience that doesn't track you and deletes your data after the order gets completed. You also get a 3% discount if you pay in Bitcoin. Try Shopping Bit today and use promo code BTCTKVR for a 5 euro discount on your first order. 